2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 11. I become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you. For nothing was I uh, behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me in this wrong. Now for the third time I am ready to come to you, and it will not be burdensome to you. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And it will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. But be that as it may, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you by cunning. Did I take advantage of you by any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus and sent your brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Again, do you think that uh, we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I fear, least when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish, lest there be contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, backbiting, whisperings, conceits, tumults. So, junior high ministry. No, uh, least when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of the uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. All right. Paul's concluding this topic of foolish boasting. Back in chapter 10, Paul said he was forced to boast of himself because the Corinthian Christians were not standing. We could see it in verse 11. He says, when you guys should be commending for me, when you guys should speak up for me, you're not. So I'm going to have to speak up for myself. So as a reminder, we had these guys who were, they were kind of considered super apostles, false teachers. They were coming in and drawing attention to themselves away from the Lord they were discrediting Paul to the Corinthian church. Now we know in, in the first letter uh, to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote about the fact that he was answering questions. They had a lot of questions about their faith, about how to do this and how to do that and how to think like this and what does it mean to be Christian and all those things. And all those things were being answered in, in, in 1 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, here Paul spends more time having to defend who he is as a, as a believer, as somebody who led them to the Lord, and what Christianity really is compared to what these false teachers are coming in, these super apostles they claimed, and what they were saying and doing. And so Paul's heart is never to boast in and of himself, but he had to. He had to. He had to express to them who he was in Christ so that they would understand the importance of that. Because these false teachers, again, as you... You guys remember I said they were spreading lies, but the lies were said so often that these were believing to be true, even though they were lies. Even though the Corinthian church can say that isn't how Paul was among us, but they were believing the lies. And because of that, he wrote these things. 
And so he's almost like apologizing, though, and boasting of himself and of where he's been and what he's done. Because his heart was to, rather than boast of himself, was to write about, gather, and share the truth about who Jesus is. Remember in chapter, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he said, For who makes you differ from another, and what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? In other words, what he was saying is, everything that you have, you have from the Lord. And that's the reminder. What we have, we have from the Lord. He's blessed us, given us these things, and we ought to draw attention to that. But what Paul was saying here, and we pick up is, I'm not superior to anybody. I'm not superior to these self-described super apostles. It wasn't anything special, but because of the ministry that God given me, this is what I've had the privilege to do. This is where God has led me. This is what God is doing. But Paul thought that the boasting that he was boasting of, of himself and his deeds, was foolishness. Because he's saying, listen, you guys know how I lived. You know how I brought you the gospel. and You know what matters. And you've allowed other people to take your eyes away from what matters. I have to tell you guys, this chapter and these chapters here in, in Corinthians is very important to me for you. Why? Because as young people, as people who a lot of you have grown up in the church, you get to an age most of you are at that age. Some of you, if you're not, you will get. We start questioning church, God, Christianity, people, how churches ran, how it's not ran, and other things. What we stand for, what we don't stand for, what people say they believe, and how they act, and all this other stuff. And because of that, what matters is, well, what matters? What matters is Jesus. What matters is His love, His grace, His mercy. Listen, on Friday I was honored to perform or be a part of the service, a memorial service for Verna. Verna um, was in our church for uh, at least 30 years, I believe. Uh, she was a month and a half away from her 98th birthday when she passed in April. And doing her service, I, we all, all the staff guys got an email like, hey, is anybody available? And I jumped on it. I was like, I, I want to do it. And couldn't find out the son, uh, her son was stoked that he knows me. He used to sit on our Sunday night studies that I was doing, and, and they were all excited. And so we get here on Friday, and it was like, this is going to be fun. It's going to be easy because Verna loved the Lord. Her daughter got up and said, oh, my mom, you know, she tripped out on like, we FaceTime one time, and she was just tripping out like, what is, can you imagine 97 years old FaceTiming? She's like, having a phone, you know, it was a trip, right? But she was also talking about how her mom would not watch, she hated TV, a current TV. Um, and she said, because my mom wouldn't watch anything that was unclean. And to her at 97, unclean meant like, well, in her day, you know, that she, she watched uh, uh, Charlie Cha Chaplin, you know, and then uh, she says clean TV was, there was no kissing. You know, even married couples, you guys go back to even I Love Lucy and stuff, right? Even married couples were in different rooms or different beds and stuff, right? And so for her, clean TV and clean things were different. But at 97, she still stood by, I want my life to be pure. I want my life to be clean. And the values. It was funny because Verna served in, when, you guys remember when we used to have donuts in between services outside? 
a hospitality ministry. Well, she served in that for years. And even her family said they used to call her the donut lady. <laughs> um, Verna used to tease her. She would walk and somebody would walk with her. But for years she had her walker and stuff. And I would, I would stop her as she's walking to uh, the chapel or the sanctuary. And I go, Verna, slow down. You're going to run somebody over. And all this stuff. And she stopped, oh, Dustin, she laughed. And I love the fact that somebody thought I was funny. Uh, <laughs> um, it was her old age. I don't know. <laughs> Verna loved the Lord, loved the Lord. Even when she got uh, to the point where she physically couldn't come to church, she would do her woman's study at home and still join in with the ladies. Everybody attested to her love for the Lord. I mean, people came, I mean, there are people I hadn't seen for a while that were here on Friday that just knew her and loved her. Young people. When I posted a, a thing on my Instagram of you know Verna and I had people that I haven't seen for a while they're like Verna we remember she used to watch us when we we're little and all that it's crazy but what I'm saying is what mattered to Verna was loving people and loving God so keeping it simple 97 years old she knew that she understood that she kept it that way that's how she lived her life even her family said that so here's the thing for us we get so occupied with causes we get so occupied with things that really don't matter that come and go but we don't think about the thing that's going to last, and that's our relationship with the Lord. And, and does it last? Is it real? One of the things I left last service thinking about, and I want you guys to think about, is this. We come to church, and some of you every Wednesday, every Sunday, some of you most Wednesdays, most Sundays, some of you here and there. Why? What are you getting out of this? What is it? Like, I see so many people who have come and gone, they don't want anything to do with God anymore when they're in college and stuff. They're just doing their thing now. And I ask, I, I'm curious because again, I'm like, okay, and some of them are people that were here every day, every time we're open, help serving. Some of them been on mission trips with me, very active in ministry, raised in the church. So why don't you want to be a Christian anymore? Why don't you want to walk with God? I think that's a valid question. I don't know if they'll answer that. If they do, I'm curious. Because what is it about life? What is it about church? What is it about God? What is it about the Bible that you're like, I'm giving up. I don't want no more of it. I think that's an important thing to think about for you guys. So what Paul was saying here to the Corinthian Christians is going, my boasting is to remind you that I brought to you the gospel, the love of Christ, and I didn't want anything to take from that. So what I did was not take from you. All I did was give to you. Now, there was other churches that supported him financially, and he was able to receive that. But those churches were further along in their walk, more mature and everything else. But because these were young believers, what Paul's mind is and heart is, is this. I don't want to do anything to stumble you. I want everything that I do to point you, show you the love of Christ. I want everything to get out of the way. But he says, look at verse 15. I would very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. Isn't that crazy? The more I love you, the more you're buying into what these false teachers are saying and everything else, and the more I'm not loved by you. But why? All I did was look out for you. And so he's reminding them and saying, look at what I shared with you. 
Look at our conversations. So the first two times that I've been with you, how's that been? How, how, how's that been? Think about what I've done for you, with you, and never been a burden to you. Matter of fact, it's funny because he used sarcasm. Look at verse 13. Well, what is it in which you were inferior to other churches because they wanted to be like all these other churches? Except that I myself was not burdensome to you. <laughs> he says, forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry that you guys didn't pay me. I'm so sorry that I didn't come as more of a leader that says, let me lead you and you guys got to provide for me. You guys got to take care of me. <laughs> That's what you wanted? That's what you think a leader's all about? That's what you guys are allowing these people to think? These people to pour into you? Paul wasn't a strong leader. He's more stronger in his speech uh, or in his writing than he is in his, you know, in person. And you don't want a leader like that. That's what they were saying about him. And he's like, I write to you directly because I want you to walk with God. And I've been trying to correct you in the areas that you're an error because I love you. Because I want you to have the best life possible in Christ. Listen, when we talk about purity, like sexual purity and stuff, biblically, it's not because God wants to kill you and destroy you and not have fun and stuff. But God really wants you to not have diseases. <laughs> like he's really like, I don't want you to have an STD. I don't want you to have memories of you sleeping around and, you know, being connected to other people. That's why he says, what God has brought together, let no man separate. And it says the two shall become one flesh. And he honors that and he blesses that. And he's like, I'm all for this. And so when you look at the scriptures and stuff, it's scriptures aren't just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Scriptures are God saying, like, I want to have this love relationship with you. But it's interesting because I recently saw somebody who even was in our youth group years ago post something about abusive church. And I'm like, I just going, I don't think you were abused. Maybe I'm wrong, but I was around you a lot. I know I didn't abuse you. And so I'm I haven't wrote to them, but I'm curious, like, where are you getting the stance from? Is it something you see or something you experience? Because you're writing as if you experienced it, but I don't remember that. You never said anything back when. And if you're saying, well, now I see. Well, can I remind you guys, so if you hear this message later or, or if you feel like that later, can I say, here's the thing. Nobody's forcing you. God doesn't force himself on you. But God wants to equip you. He wants to love you and stuff. And I've told you guys before, there's a lot of people that in the name of Christianity, whether it's a pastor, a leader, or something like that, they, they say stupid things and are wrong, and it goes against what the Bible teaches and says, and, and we need to be on our guard. But see, that's the other thing, is when you know the Bible, when you know the love of God, you can test that and go, yeah, that's not right. That's not right. That's not the Bible. That's not how Jesus is. There's other times where it, somebody might come across harsh and you could say, that's not right. And, and actually, it is. <laughs> it is. Like, that is God. It might be harsh, but that is God. I mean, we just talked about that on Wednesday night, right? In, in Genesis chapter 7, it says, God put Joan, uh, Noah and his family in a boat, the ark, right? Closed it made a flood, everybody died. 
Sounds harsh, right? Yeah, pretty much is. So, but how, why would a God of love do that? Well, we don't have time to get into that. Come, come Wednesday nights and we could talk about that. Paul's trying to draw the attention back to the Lord. As he's doing this, what Paul was trying to tell them was back in verse 14 that he enjoyed financial freedom and independence from them. He didn't want to be a burden. He wasn't a burden to them. Matter of fact, he goes on to say, because the whole idea, verse 14, notice the second half of verse 14, for the children ought not to lay up for their parents, but the parents for the children. Laying a foundation. Laying the foundation and how things should be. And, and investing in them. These are the things. You know, it's interesting when we think about those things. And again, I don't know how many of you have like family heirlooms and stuff. And one of the days these things are going to be yours or whatever. And so your parents keep these things and they pay, pass them down from generation to generation. Or maybe it's just something they want you to have eventually or whatever. And, and so in these things, the investment, the investment that your families make. My grandma and grandpa made financial investments that blessed my parents that are blessing us. And, you know, hopefully one day we'll, I don't know what this inflation and all that stuff, but maybe one day it'll bless my girls unless the government takes it all. But hopefully I'll be gone by then. Notice he says, I did not seek yours, but I sought you. He wasn't seeking anything from you, but I sought you. I wanted you to be loved, cared for, treated the way somebody should be treated. I think that's important. This is one of the things I can tell you guys, honestly, this is my heart for you. My heart for you guys. It's never changed is I want you guys to know how much God loves you. I've told you guys and tell you guys life is hard and God is incredible. Life is hard and God is incredible. Life is not easy. Life is difficult and crazy and chaotic and nuts and everything else. And yet it's still amazing. And I love it. And God is good. In the midst of all this. And this is what Paul's trying to get across. I'm not looking for anything from you. I'm looking for you. I'm encouraging. I want you to be and have the most incredible life and be one of the most incredible people. And I want you to know what God's love is like. And I want you to receive that and own it and everything else. And I want you to share that love with others. I mean, we were talking about Jared on Friday, Jared, our worship leader here, he on Friday opened the service with two songs and he opened by going, Verna used to sit right there and he pointed there in the chapel at her seat and stuff. And, and he said, you know, that was her seat and everybody, they would get her seated and people would come over and just say hi to Verna and all that stuff. And she would have a crowd around her all the time and stuff. But Verna was a person who uh, you either give her a hug or a handshake and she'd pull you in and give you a kiss on the cheek. And Jared said, oh, yeah, I used to get these. And, and so I got up and I go, you weren't special because I got them too. But some of you know Velo who serves in children's ministry. And we were talking after and he goes, I got them. <laughs> you know, uh, Fernando from children's ministry. I got them. You know, so it was like, she, this is just how she was. She loved people. 
She loved people and she went out a way to make them feel loved and welcome. And everybody loved her for it. And the thing is, is she wasn't looking for stuff from people. She just wanted to love them. She wanted people to know that Jesus loved them. And, and that was said and told by her family and people from her church at her memorial. So everything she lived for, everything she lived for was Christ and letting people know about his love. And at her memorial, that's what was said of her. Isn't that cool? I think that's because at 97, almost 98, what, her, what she valued was very evident to everybody in the room. And to be honest, you guys, at most memorials, at, with, with somebody who's really old, there's not a lot of people there. There was quite a bit of people there for, for her. Why? Because she impacted so many people's lives. And, and I think that's important for us to understand and hear why. Because what Paul was saying is, I'm trying to invest in you. I don't need you to invest in me. One day you might, when you're mature and old enough and understand the investment when it comes to your relationship with God and everything that you have is, is, is the Lord's. But right now, right now, all that matters is just building that foundation, laying the foundation and building that foundation. But here's the thing I want to say for you guys. Most of you, you've been taught and have a foundation. But where is that foundation right now? How are the walls? How, how, how are the, how's the house? Is it still standing? Is it tilted? What is it like? I was watching this show this weekend on Disney. I hate TV. And I'm trying to, I'm honestly, I was literally like trying to find something clean. And I found this thing on Disney Channel. It's called, I don't know what it's called. It's a bunch of people that live in Alaska. It's called Port something. And these people that live on this little island in southeast uh, Alaska. And literally, like, they have to get in a boat, to drive across the, the, to their cars, and then go and hunt and do all this stuff, and then get in a boat, come back. And they have to get ready for the winter and do all this. So they're really interesting people. <laughs> um, people that aren't, don't want to be in society and all that stuff. And they literally live on a little tiny island just like a few of them, and they all have their own house, but just interesting people. And so that interests me because people are weird, and I like weird people. That's why I like you guys. <laughs> and it was clean. Well, it's clean because they bleep out things, but <laughs> everything else is clean. Um, but thinking about what they live for and what they stand for. And one of the guys... He's in his 70s. He's lived there for over 40 years, and his house is on these little uh, wood pylon things, and they were, his house was tilting. And so they had to come in and get jacks and, and raise up his house, and, and uh, they cut down trees and, and had to try to level his house because his house was literally falling. And so the neighbors came together and helped him and all that other stuff. But how's your life? The Bible likens us to a house, a tent at the moment. And eventually we'll have a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. But he says, how's your house? Is it, has, does it have a strong foundation? Is it something you want to build on? Is it something you're building on? Like, this is who I am. And then 
out of that, I'm starting to build the walls and the frame in it and everything else. I'm going to put a cover and everything else. And this is who I choose to be. It's how I want to live my life. You have a strong foundation or a weak foundation? Your parents helped pour that foundation. Myself and Josh and others have helped pour that foundation. Did you let it cure in time? And now are you building on that? You know, as a church, this July, we're celebrating 40 years. We're going to have a big service and stuff at the end of July. But our church is known for four pillars, right? The Word, worship, witness, and then Pastor David made up a word, witness, <laughs> fellowship. Four pillars, that's who we are. These are, the, these are the things that hold up the walls of our church. The Word of God, fellowship, witness, worship and witnessing, sharing our faith. It's who we are. It's what we do. For high school ministry, we call ourselves epic, equipping people in Christ. So under that four pillars, we have us. And under that umbrella, we have epic, equipping. So here's my thing. Going back to what I was saying about the person who walked away, the, I've had several high schoolers, so eventually when they get into college, they walk away from the Lord. So I think to myself, did I not equip you? I have to, because sometimes I thought I did. My goal, my heart for you guys, when you leave high school, when you graduate and you move on, you go into young adult ministry, when you go into college life and everything else, that when you're at college, when you're doing these things that you Continue walking your faith with the Lord. And to be honest, I've had more people that I've seen, at least that I know, walk away from the Lord going to Biola, Azusa Pacific, Grand Canyon University, all these schools that call themselves Christian, are Christian-based, and I've seen so many people walk away from the Lord. So it has nothing to do with it. Is it labeled a Christian college or not? I've had people go to Fullerton, Cal State Fullerton and stuff that have stronger walks than people that go to Biola. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because the professors start making them question. Maybe because they're expecting more Christianity, and yet at Cal State Fullerton, they're expecting it to not be Christian, so they have their guard up. I don't know. I didn't go to these schools, so I don't know. But where do you stand? Are you being equipped? I could say this, for those of you who've been here Wednesdays and Sundays, most of your high school, I believe with all my heart you've been equipped. I taught you the word and I taught you how to use it. Now it's on you. I, I don't know about you, but I have a toolbox. I have a pretty big toolbox actually. It was given to me by Donnie when he moved. I have tools in there I've never used. I have tools in there I really don't know how to use them. I don't know if any of you have, like I have you know, cordless drills. And then I buy, I love Milwaukee right now. I just like their stuff. And I bought like the little adapters and stuff and the kit that has all these different screwdrivers and drill bits. You know what? I always use like two or three of them. Some of them never open, never touch, don't need them. I won't use them. The different tips and stuff, like I don't know why, but I paid, you know, because it, oh, wow, look at all those. Look at all those and oh, what a bargain, what a deal. You know what I need? Phillips and a, and, a, and a Phillips head and a flathead. <laughs> but this has like 30 pieces. What a great bargain. 
But half the pieces I'll never use. I don't even know what they would go for. But here's the thing. I have them if I need them. Some of them, though, I don't know how to use. I don't know how to use because I've never used them. I've been taught how to use them. But here's the thing. You guys have been equipped in the Word of God. Paul's saying to the church, you've been equipped in the Word of God. Why is it that you act like you don't know? Why is it that you respond to life as if you haven't been taught? Why is it then when you can't tell the difference of something that's wrong and something that's right? Why is it when these false teachers are coming in and telling you something, why is it that you're believing it? Even if they keep saying it over and over and over, how come you haven't guarded your mind? How come you haven't guarded your thoughts? How come you haven't protected yourself from the errors, from the lies? I believe this is what's important today because the world is lying to you. Do you believe it or do you not? Do you understand God's love, His grace, His mercy for you? Who God is? Do you seek to know that? Not just what you were taught. What do you stand for? What is your foundation? You've been equipped, but in the decision-making that you have, in, in the choices that you make, where do you stand and what are you putting in and how are you giving? And see, what Paul says is this. As a parent in the faith, my heart is to invest in you and invest in you and invest in you. It's to give to you and give to you and give to you and to love you and keep loving you. You know one of the things I love about the Bible is that God tells us it's hard. I love the fact that God says, even though you sin, I love you. Because you ever felt like when you sin that God doesn't love you? I have. <laughs> and yet the Bible says He still loves you. You ever feel like when you sin and you ask for forgiveness, but you can't forgive yourself, and maybe you feel like you let down everybody in your life, your parents, you, you know, maybe me as your youth leader or whoever. Isn't it cool that God says, I still love you. I haven't changed my love for you. Do you know that? And so even though you feel bad and even though you feel guilty and shame and all that stuff, God says, my grace, my love, my mercy poured over you. But do we know that? But I've seen so many people walk away from God because they don't know that. And they don't own that. And then they blame the church. Well, when I did this and everybody was mean to me. Okay, was God mean to you? Well, all the people that call themselves Christians were. Yeah, okay, all right, let's be in agreement then. They're all jerks. So now back to the question is, what does God think of you? What does God think of you? So maybe you were around people that actually misunderstood, didn't understand, didn't know the truth of the Word of God. And maybe you need to stop being around people like that and start being around people that actually love God and, and want to love you. See, this is important because what Paul says, look at verse um, 17. What does he say? Did I take advantage of you? Did Titus take advantage of you? Verse 18. Did we not walk in the same spirit? Did we not walk in the same steps? Notice he says in verse 19, he says, But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. It's powerful. What he's saying is, there was no ulterior motives. I'm not trying to lie to you. There's no hidden messages. There's no hidden things. And this is my heart for you guys is this. 
I have nothing to hide. I have everything to share with you and tell you guys, listen, as somebody who's just been at this longer than you, there are people in the church that will disappoint you. There are people in the church that will let you down. There are people in the name of God that are shouldn't say anything in the name of God. And yet there are people who are amazing. There are people who, Lord, I want to be more like. Lord, I want to learn to be more loving like Verna. Lord, I want my life to count like Verna's did. And it was interesting because even her daughter said at one point, oh, you know, we, she said something like, Dad was stubborn, but we didn't realize how stubborn Mom was until Dad passed and stuff. And so, like, Verna being stubborn and, okay. So, talking about how great Verna was doesn't mean that she wasn't, that she didn't have imperfections. It just means that she strived to live a godly life, and it was evident. It was even evident to her family that didn't want to know God. But it was evident that she wasn't perfect, but that she strived to know God and love God. And it mattered and it counted and it showed at her memorial. And the Bible says to be absent from our bodies is to be present with the Lord and that God had prepared a place for her. And that she's in heaven enjoying everything that God had to offer her. And here's my thing for you guys. And if you don't believe it, prove it wrong. And if it can't be proven wrong, then live for it and stand up for it and lay it as your foundation and make it everything about who you are. And that we should learn, like Paul is trying to teach the church in Corinth, to watch out for people who bring error, who teach you wrong things about God in the Bible and live for the right things and understand the right way. I think this is one of the most important things that you guys in your day and age can hear today. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, all churches are great. No, they're not. There are some great churches and there are some bad churches, some great pastors and some not so good pastors. And then there's me. No, <laughs> try to be in the middle. No, I, I can honestly tell you I love you. Listen. My heart for you guys, no matter where the Lord takes you, you might be the next one living on a little island in Alaska, but that you would understand that God created that little island for you and that God loves you and that you could worship him and live for him even by yourself alone on this little island. But even these people on this little island who aren't believers, they said, you know what? We got to only, not only take care of ourselves, but even our neighbors. So the guy who's like, yeah, we help each other out. So, you know, this guy Curly, he's a big guy. I don't know if they call him Curly because his beard's curly and stuff, but he, he comes over and he's helping this old man fix his house. And he, he knows how to do that. And he knows how to fix it and jack the house up. And so these two guys spend a few days in fixing this guy's house. So non-Christians know how to love each other. Non-Christians know how to be kind. So if non-Christians know how to be kind, then shouldn't the church do a better job? I would think you would say yes. So here's the question is, what's your role in that? I think it's easy to point fingers and saying they're not, the church ain't, they aren't. Okay, stop. Now, what about you? How are you loving? How are you showing acceptance? How are you welcoming people? How are you doing these things? How am I? I'm not just saying you when I say you. I'm saying us. How are we 
becoming more loving. Listen, I was talking to a friend on Friday at the memorial. He said, when he first started this church, I thought this was interesting. We had a really good talk about it. When he first started this church, many, many, many years ago, many years ago, his kids are married, so it was, I don't know, I don't know if his kids were all born at the time, so it's been a long, long time. He said, when he first started this church, his kids were little, at least, and our church used to have, some of you guys might remember, an oil change ministry for the single moms and stuff. So the men's ministry would come and, and they would have an oil change for the, for, for the ladies and stuff. And so all the men would come. So he said he heard about it in the bulletin, this oil change ministry. He was new to the church. He was handy. So he's like, I'm going to go to the oil change ministry. So he shows up at the oil change ministry with his tools and everything else. And he brought his boys and, and uh, he's got two boys and two girls. And he brought his boys and, and uh, he said, um, we're here. We want to serve. We're ready. I have my tools. And one of the leaders who was in charge of the oil change ministry, first thing he says to him, he goes, well, what men's group are you in? <laughs> and he goes, I, I, I'm new here. I've been here about six months, but I'm not involved in a men's group. But, And so uh, another gentleman, Jeff Sears, who was a leader at the time and still here in the church, goes, wraps his arm around him and he goes, I vows for him. I know this guy. He's great. Like, I'll be in his group and grabbed him and Grabbed his boys, like, we'll be a group and we'll go get cars over here and all that stuff. And he's like, yes. And I thought to myself, how sad. How sad that this leader was going to turn down this guy who had his tools, who had his boys here, was ready to serve because he wasn't in a men's group? Because he didn't know him. But what a blessing that this other guy comes along and says, I know this guy. I love this guy. This guy is great. I'll vouch for him. Grabs him. And they start working and worked on a bunch of cars that day. Blessed the boys, blessed him, and everything else. And I thought, this is what I said. Some people sometimes have the best intentions and don't realize what they're saying is so wrong. I think this guy who said, what group are you in, was trying to be accountable and saying, okay, we don't want just anybody doing. And it's like, the guy was here to fix things. This guy was here to help things. Why are you being a jerk to him? Why would somebody want to stay in a church where he came to help and serve and you're being a jerk to him? Would you agree? I do. Praise God for Jeff Sears to come. I know this guy. And now this family's been serving in this church for many, many years. And in this ministry still, <laughs> they're family. So here's the thing, not everybody's perfect, and we grow, we learn, we make mistakes. We don't expect people to be perfect, but we expect people to grow and grow and grow and mature. And this is what Paul says, listen, your walk right now, it's young, it's, it's, it's early stages. Your foundation, it's being laid. Your foundation is growing and, and it's curing, it's, it's solidifying and all that stuff. And who you are and who you will be. It's, it's, it's growing, but you, I'm worried. Notice how he ends, verse 20 and 21. I'm worried that when I come to you, you're back living a lifestyle of sin. Because you say, well, Paul said this and these guys said that, so why care? Here, here's the answer to that. It's really simple. Truth matters. That's it. Truth matters. 
What do I mean? Well, you're giving up on Jesus because I said something, these guys said something different, and you're like, well, I don't know what the truth is, so rather than I'm just going to go back to living this. Really? So you just said, I don't care. I want to challenge you guys. I think you're smarter than that. I think you're better than that. I think you should care. What is truth? What is real? What is the life and the hope that we have in Christ? Again, you might feel disappointed at times in church and people. I have. But what about Jesus? He hasn't let you down. The Lord hasn't let us down. He's been there for us all the time. Again, I could say, like, when I feel like weary and discouraged and tired, I think I mentioned this Wednesday. On Wednesday, had a rough morning, rough night, all that stuff, wake up, tell the staff I'm going to come in late. And my friend from Boston, Scott, texts me and goes, how's the battle? And I felt like God was saying, I see you. In the midst of everything going through, I hadn't told anybody how the day was yet or anything else except for saying I was going to come in late because I didn't get sleep. But God used a friend of mine from Boston to text me and simply said, how's the battle today? How's life? And it reminded me that God sees, that God cares. And it was little things like that that I see God saying, I'm watching over you. I got you. I'm leading you. Trust me. And I'm going, okay. Because sometimes, here's the thing, it doesn't feel like it. So we have to be careful because our feelings, and if you were here when Patty was here, she said, I felt like this and I felt like that. And she said, and I realized my feelings were lying to me. And when she heard about the truth of the gospel, it's what mattered. So here's my thing I want to leave you guys with this morning. Is this, one, what is your foundation like? And you guys have been equipped in the word of God. I know that because you've been under Josh, you've been under me, and you served in, you've been in children's ministry, many of you. Are you using the tools that you've been taught? I want to remind you this, that the decisions you make today will affect your tomorrow. The decisions you make today will affect your tomorrow. So if you don't want to walk with God and you make decisions not to, then the decisions you make today will have consequences, good and bad, that will affect your tomorrow. You want to walk with God and trust God and even know it's hard? The decisions you make today will affect your tomorrow, good and bad. Know that. Understand that. Be careful. Be wise. And, and last thing is this. We don't do this alone. I live my life with you guys, with all the leaders. They're very involved in my life. And you guys are very involved in my life. And I get the support from even from Boston and other people and fr friends and other youth pastors. I get advice. I seek advice. I don't just let people pour into me. I ask people to pour into me. And so my encouragement to you is this. Let the leaders, let us pour into you. Let us be a support to you. Don't, don't feel like you have to do this on your own. Here's the thing. If you feel like, oh, they're too busy, I don't want to bother them, then we failed. But I, I can honestly tell you, like, I don't think I've ever, when somebody said, can I meet with you, ever not met with them. I might have forgot, and then I'll say, okay, we need to meet because I forgot. I'll make time. Even if I can't meet with you right then and there, I'll make time. The leaders will make time. We will make time to meet with you. You guys have questions about college and career and all that stuff? 
we have an expert who works at Norco College who will be more than willing to help you, guarantee. He's already offered before. And he'll help you with life choices. He's great at that. But more than even that, like if you just need prayer and support and stuff, him and his wife would love to pour into you. All the leaders, all of us, we're here to support you and love you and tell you, yeah, it's rough. Keep going. Come on. You got this. Don't finish. Don't quit yet. Come on. Not done. And that's, if I can tell you anything today, life is hard. Keep going. <laughs> life is hard. Keep going. Trust the Lord. Trust the process. You're going to be better for it tomorrow. Guarantee. Guarantee. Don't give up, you guys. Lay that foundation. Make it solid. And keep building on that solid foundation. Don't run from God. Run to Him.